Talking Wellness at Memorial Care Health System. It's time for Weekly Dose of Wellness. Here's Deborah Howell. Welcome to the show. This is your Weekly Dose of Wellness. I'm Deborah Howell, and today's guest is Dr. Tony Solomon, Medical Director of the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit at Miller Children's and Women's Hospital, Long Beach. Welcome, Dr. Solomon. Uh, thank you, Deborah. Nice so- to be here. Such a pleasure to have you. Now, with the advancement of medicine and prenatal care, prematurity is declining in the U.S., and that is good. In 2006, the preterm birth rate was 12.8%, and in 2013, it dropped down to 11.4%. But even with these advancements, of course, one in nine babies are born prematurely in the U.S. each year, and that's just one too many. So let's shed some light on this topic. First off, what is prematurity? Well, uh, it's an important topic, and... uh one of the things that we want to realize right off the bat, it's prematurity is the number one cause of death for children under the age of five worldwide. When we describe uh, or define prematurity, it is birth before 37 weeks gestation. Okay. And uh, that's the definition that most uh, professionals are using. The number one cause. Uh, yeah, you know, we have, um, we look at prematurity in a variety of ways and it affects children uh, in different societies, obviously more advanced uh, countries have a problem with babies that are extremely premature and developing nations still suffer from uh, problems with babies that are even more mature because there's a variety of ways to describe prematurity. Okay. So, well, let's get into that. Are there different levels of prematurity? Yeah, we, we look at um, babies that are born before 37 weeks in about three categories. One are the late preterm babies. Those are babies that are born uh, 32 to up to 37 weeks. There are very premature babies that are born 28 to 32 weeks. And then there's a very small number of babies that we define as extremely premature. And those are the babies born before 28 weeks gestation. Okay. Before 28 weeks, wow. How tiny are these children? Uh, some of them can be, you know, somewhere between one and two pounds. So they're very, very small, very fragile newborns. We don't see a lot of them, but the percent that we do see have significant problems, both uh, early on in, in the course as well as for the survivors, some more chronic problems. Okay. So what are some of the common health concerns for premature infants? Well, the, depending obviously on the uh, gestational age of birth and the birth weight, that uh, will, uh, you know, put the baby at higher risk for certain diseases. We know that the earlier the baby's born, the more severe health problems, uh, the most severe being death, of course. And so survival at, say, 23 weeks is much uh, less than survival at even 26 weeks and, and higher. So death is the most severe. We uh, know that of those babies that survive to discharge, there's intellectual disabilities. Some of them have problems moving their muscles or motor problems like cerebral palsy. Uh, staying longer within the NICU can certainly be a challenge for many patients. Um, other long-term health problems could be, you know, breathing problems, chronic lung disease. Many of them have reactive airways or asthma. Wow, that's a lot of stuff to handle. I, I was curious when you said uh, having problems staying in the in the NICU for a long period of time. What kind of problems? Well, we know that 
babies that are born extremely premature can stay up to four months in the NICU or even longer just because they were born that early. So whenever a patient is in the ICU for a long time, the cost of keeping them alive um, in terms of, uh, you know, putting them on a ventilator and giving certain medications, those can add morbidities to the patient. I see. It's very different than if the baby was inside the mother. Are there risk factors for prematurity itself? Yeah, you know, prematurity is something that a lot of groups and organizations are, are looking into because it is such a common and severe problem. Uh, some of the things that we've found are uh, <clears throat> that, you know, having a prior premature birth will increase the risk of having a subsequent baby that's born premature. If a mother is carrying more than one fetus, so multiplets, twins, triplets, higher order, we know that certain uh, health conditions that a mother has, like high blood pressure or diabetes or certain clotting diseases, uh, <clears throat> problems with the mom's uterus, these are all things that can contribute to delivering a baby early. Is that um, why some women are put on bed rest? Yeah. Sometimes a woman would be asked by her physician to stay on bed rest because her risk of delivering early is is higher. And then even when a mom does everything right and her pregnancy is going very well, there's certain things that come up like an infection during the pregnancy that can, um, you know, that can cause an, an early delivery. Okay. So I'm wondering, can prematurity be prevented? You know, like I said, a lot of people are looking into this. Um, and the more we investigate, we realize that there are certain <clears throat> easy answers or easier answers to help reduce. So um, things like partnering with the healthcare provider before a woman gets pregnant, that's critical. You know, having a plan of, okay, we want to be able to have a baby, um, making sure that her health is, is in good standing, reducing some, you know, things that can cause problems like um, smoking or drug use, uh, eating healthy, and even uh, stress in a in a woman's life has been associated with preterm birth. So we know a lot of women are stressed out in general, but trying to find ways to reduce stress is is helpful in that. And then, of course, looking at the healthcare delivery model that we have, are we uh, offering um, early inductions or cesarean births for uh, non medical reasons? Trying to reduce those will reduce prematurity. I see. Okay, so now the baby's born. What type of care does a premature infant need? Well, uh, the type of care really depends on where the baby is born. Uh, to optimize that, I think that we are looking now at much more of a comprehensive care where you have a large team of experts. Uh, before the baby is delivered, a mother comes into a hospital setting. She's cared for by experts that know how to monitor a baby, know um, that there are certain medications that the mother can receive to help reduce the problem. Um, antenatal steroids, sometimes antibiotics would help with that. Um, having a team at the delivery itself, uh, this is critical. You know, this is a very important time for a baby that the, the, the second a baby comes out, having a team that's expert and knows what to do to uh, help the baby breathe and so on, that's very important to long-term outcomes. And then in the NICU, we realize that there's 
um, a process that has to happen that involves multiple specialists, um, as well as partnering with family. So we try to look at a delivery of care model now that's uh, much more comprehensive, that involves focusing on the patient and as well as the family, realizing that there's innovations in medicine that can help the baby have a better outcome. Yes, we're continually learning, aren't we? So what advancements have been made in neonatal care in the past five years, say? Well, certainly we've identified that um, there are contributions from innovations uh, in uh, medical devices, um, say something like as simple to us as an isolate is, is a very intricate piece of machinery that um, can monitor a patient and can contribute to the patient's, uh, you know, fluid and electrolyte management and, and all sorts of things. Having devices that um, monitor less invasively, those are all advances that we are very excited to have at most of the major neonatal ICUs. There's nutritional support that has become uh, much more um, comprehensive now involving, like I said, experts that focus much more on uh, human milk and the importance of a mother's milk and how to help her with that supply. And then looking at the um, delivery of care, like I mentioned earlier, just taking a step back and saying um, a team of experts that does this every day for a large number of patients always has better outcomes. When we look at data from centers that only care for a handful of premature babies every year, their outcomes are not nearly as good as a regional center that really cares for a large number. Exactly. And what makes Miller Children's NICU stand apart from other regional NICUs? Well, being one of the regional NICUs here in the state of California, we realize that we do get um, patients transferred to us from other neonatal ICUs for what we call higher level of care because we have experts here that can handle the whole spectrum. But I think what really makes us stand out is that um, we have all the experts in one place. We don't need to separate the mother from the baby. And that's very important because being a children's and women's hospital, the mother can feel very reassured that if everything is going great, her and her baby will have a great outcome. But in the rare event that things don't go as well, um, the baby never has to leave uh, the same building. That truly is awesome. It really is. Where can listeners go to get more information? Um, I think that there's a variety of uh, resources that are available right now. I think prematurity has become a lot more of a um, a topic that, um, you know, has shown that with uh, public awareness, things can improve. Uh, certain organizations, like the World Health Organization, um, certainly has lots of information. Uh, websites uh, for organizations like the March of Dimes, they have a whole wealth of information for both professionals as well as uh, just families that are interested or have gone through or possibly even going to go through uh, this experience. And of course, our hospital website certainly has a lot of information about that. That's right. To learn more, to listen to a podcast of this show, you can also visit memorialcare.org. Thank you so much, Dr. Solomon, for coming on the show today. It's been just wonderful having you. Thank you, Deborah. I'm Deborah Howell. Join us again next time as we explore another weekly dose of wellness. Have yourself a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.